0: Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. So glad that you are here. We are in Kings, 1 Kings, uh, in our verse-by-verse study of the scriptures. And we are at uh, at the big fight between Elijah on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal. Uh, This is during the time of Ahab the king. He is really a nasty guy, him and his wicked wife Jezebel. And uh, God raises up this prophet Elijah to get in this guy's face and to call the people to repentance. And there's been this drought for a long time. And finally, uh, Elijah comes and he says, okay, let's all meet up on Mount Carmel. So they get up on Mount Carmel and Elijah basically lays down the gauntlet. He says, look, you guys, talking to the people, he says, come on, you guys make up a decision. Are you going to serve God or are you not going to serve? How long are you going to be dancing between the two? And they all just sat there like they couldn't make a decision. So he said, I'll tell you what, you take... The prophets of Baal, and, and have them build an altar, and, and I'm going to build an altar, and we'll put a sacrifice on the altar, and then we will pray and ask for our God to come by fire and consume the altar, and whoever answers by fire, then he's the true God. Well, the prophets of Baal, there's 450 of these guys plus a bunch of other prophets uh, with them. These guys are basically our version of what we call Satan worship today. I mean, this is very dark religion, very weird idolatry thing. And uh, and when he made that, uh, laid on the gauntlet and said, "Here's the challenge." They all said, "No problem." Why? Because these guys were used to experiencing dramatic power. You know, a lot of times people say, "Well, they just think that." Uh, these guys were just good at, at magic and stuff like that. And that may have been true in terms of being able to confuse and deceive people and stuff. But they make no mistake. These guys knew what it was to tap into the dark arts and to satanic power. You remember when Moses threw down his uh, staff and it turned into a snake? You know, did the false prophets freak out? Well, they do. Same thing. Same thing, of course, then. His ate the other ones. Ha, ha, ha which is pretty cool, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, a few other things that he did, they also did. Well, God's power just kept coming bigger and bigger, and these guys couldn't keep up, and we're like, wow, what is going on here? But make no mistake, there is a power out there. You don't want to get into this power. It is a destructive power, but it it allows people to feel powerful and to, uh, when these satanic powers would come, that, uh, you know, people would fear, and it gave those in charge, and these prophets, great esteem, and, and I'm sure they just... They weren't the nicest people in the world. I'm sure they didn't use this to minister to people. They did it to scare the willies out of people. So anyway, he says, come on, let's do it. And they said, no problem. So they start coming around the altar. and They're boogying around the altar. Come on, Baal. Sack it to me, Baal. Come on, Baal. And all day long, and remember, Elijah starts making fun of them. You know, like, la, 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 you know. Yell louder. Maybe he's going potty. Come on. Alright? So he's egging him on, and finally, after all day, these guys, and they're cutting themselves in the ritual, they're bleeding all over the place. These guys were serious. They were messing around. But nothing happened. Why? Well, it's one thing for Satan to show up in a vacuum. When when the presence of God is around, he runs. Hallelujah. People are, you know, I'm telling you, the beautiful thing about getting in the presence of God makes the devil very uncomfortable. So anyway, then it's Elijah's turn. So the first thing he does is tells these guys to build a big trench around his altar. So they do it. And then he says, pour a whole bunch of buckets of water on there. Well, again, I mean, come on. You're wanting fire to show up. Water is probably not a good plan. But he says, do it. And then we read in verse 34, chapter 18, he tells them, do it again. And they did it again. And he says, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water ran down the altar and even filled the trench. Well, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again now I can't help but think that these other prophets they were you know they were able to do some things it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden they were expecting some kind of a spontaneous combustion you know within the wood or something like that and kind of just start flaming up and ooh and then the big fire comes and stuff like that so I'm sure these guys would probably wait okay now what's going to happen it's going to be hard because he's got everything soaked in with water how are you going to get this spontaneous combustion I don't think they were expecting like a yo mama butt kicking fire to show up okay But that's exactly what happens. It says, then the fire of the Lord fell, boom, and burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood. It burned up the rocks. That's one hot tamale. You know what I'm saying? When the rocks are burning, that's hot. Okay? And then the dirt is it, and it licks up all the water in the trench. I mean, this thing just comes down and consumes the whole thing with this just massive, pillar a fire and just eliminates everything and then there's just you know smoke it would get my attention i don't want y'all but that was like ho chi mama wow and then all of a sudden the people saw this and they fell prostrate and cried ho chi mama the lord he is god the lord he is god oh yeah now they're praising god now suddenly they got religion you know what I'm saying? God shows up, something happens, Oh yeah, yeah, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know, a lot of people like this. You know, when they get in trouble, it's amazing how much religion they get. <laughs> Are you hearing me? You know, somebody, oh God, please God, please, God, please, God. Please, God. And they're real quick to turn to God when there's trouble or something real dramatic happens, and all of a sudden they're, oh yeah. Well, these guys see this and now, they're worshiping. God well it's kind of a neat moment the people finally they choose God they choose the Lord things are good right Woohoo! so then Elijah commanded them seize the prophets of Baal don't let anyone get away so they grab all these guys and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there Ugh. just killed a whole lot of them and then Elijah says to Ahab now this is fascinating who is the really wicked guy here Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and he grabs all these prophets. He's got total control. Everybody's paying attention. I mean, at this point, they, you know, Elijah should run for president. At this point, man, everybody's like, "Wow, look what he just did." He slaughters all these guys, and then he comes to Ahab. You're coming to Ahab? How come you didn't kill Ahab? I think mean, if it's me, we're going to have an Ahab bonfire. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Start with the troublemaker. But yeah, to it's, it's interesting because we see this over and over again. There is a degree, often an intense degree. We saw this in David. Remember how much he respected Saul. He wouldn't even dream of attacking his spiritual leader, the one, the guy, the one that God had anointed. Talk about a, a concept of spiritual authority. I mean, we don't have anything like that today. You know, pastors are just idiots. You flip them like boogers. You don't care. You know, if they make you mad, who cares? Totally, dis, totally disrespect, you know. Uh actually, <laughs> actually, you know, I've been, one of the things I've been trying to teach so much uh, as I travel around the country, you know, this whole idea about family, you know, about women submitting to husbands. You know what I'm saying? And everybody just struggles. What about a woman who should submit? But it says she should submit. So, and I'm saying, come on, the Bible doesn't say a woman has to tolerate any kind of nonsense a man throws at him. Oh, but it says she should submit. It says she should submit. And I've used every analogy. I can think, of. finally, I found one the other day about a week ago that works for me. Because everybody seems to understand it. I said, your pastor, your pastor, the Bible says you should submit to your pastor, does it not? It says, obey those who have rule over you. Submit to those that are in authority. But if you've got a pastor who's acting up, you just put up with his nonsense, everybody gets that. Nah, throw him out. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of sad that, that that part they get. Nowhere in the Bible does it assume that a church has to put if I'm out there committing adultery, stealing money, all kinds of stuff, you don't have to keep putting up with my nonsense. Somebody say amen. amen. Finally they get it. Oh, I get it now. Because the Bible says specifically you should submit to these men. Well, not when you go over the line. It's the same in a home. A woman is not obligated scripture for, to submit to a man who treats her like garbage. Somebody say Amen. It's not what the Bible says for crying out loud. And anyway, Sadly, pastors, you know, it's easy to diss those guys. <laughs> Seriously, it's the one analogy. Diss a pastor. Oh, yeah, I'm into that. Right, throw him out. No problem there. But these guys, even with some of the most wicked leaders imaginable, would not treat them disrespectfully. Wow. If we could just get a piece of that today. What a difference that might make. Anyway, Elijah says to Ahab, again, I'd have toasted Ahab, but Elijah left him alone. And he tells Ahab, listen, you better go get something to eat, drink, run by Mickey D's there or something. Because there is the sound of a heavy rain. In other words, he's warning him, you better get down from this mountain because rain's coming. Now, there has been no rain for, what, three, three and a half years? And he says, you better get down because I hear a heavy rain. Rain. Anybody else hear that rain? You think? No. Look around. There's, there's nothing. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's hot. It's parched. Three years plus. It's been like this, and now you hear. You know, maybe you're delusional. Maybe you're hallucinating. You hear. What do you mean hear? But he was speaking prophetically. See, oftentimes the Bible says God calls things that are as though God calls those things that are, are not as though they are. Does that make sense? He says that which is not, he says it is. So this guy says, I hear the sound of rain. Well, there will not any rain. Well, he's about to hear rain. It's just the way God, God's way of looking at things is different than ours. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, believe, you've already received it, then you'll get it. Huh? You know, I believe it when I receive it, when I get it. Right? But you've got to believe it before. You believe it like, I, man, I know I've got it. Have you got it? Yeah, I got it. Have you really got it? Well, no, but I've got it. I mean, this is hard for people to relate to. Faith can be a little confusing. Somebody say amen. amen. Faith can be really confusing. It'll mess with you. And you gotta grow in faith. It's not, you know, if you can't figure that out right today, don't panic. You know, you gotta grow in your faith. But it's an interesting thing. God calls those things that are not as though they are. He says, Hey man, you better run, because I hear a lot of rain. Well, so Ahab went off to eat and drink. Well, obviously the guy just called down fire from heaven. I think I'd listen to him too. So he goes off the, well, Elijah now climbs to the top of, of Mount Carmel. And he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And he's sitting there with his face between his knees. I don't know, can I even do that? I don't bend that much anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, face between knees. Pretend I got knees way up here. Oh, good Lord. listen <laughs> less, less than this. More that. <laughs> face between his knees. And there he is just with his face down. And he says to the servant, go look toward the sea. And the servant goes and he looks. Because he just said he heard the sound of rushing rain, right? So the servant's going, and he's looking, and he says, comes back and he says, There's nothing there. And seven times Elijah says, go back and look. (sighs) Nothing there, comes back to him. Go look again. Back and forth, three, four, five, six, hello. What part of, there ain't nothing there do you not get? Elijah didn't even he was just focused. He's just focused. Go back and look again. And the seventh time the servant comes back and says, "Well, there was a cloud out there about the size of a guy's hand out over the sea, just a little whisper of a nothing." Elijah said, "You better go tell Ahab. Hitch up your giddyap jack. You better get out of here before the rain stops you. Now, if I'm the servant, I'm thinking, hello. (laughs) It's just a little cloud way out there. But Ahab knew the minute he saw the cloud, here it comes. Here it comes. So meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, so it just kept getting darker and darker and darker. Then the wind rose and a heavy rain came on and Ahab Rode up to Jezreel. So he is on his chariot. And he is just riding full steep ahead. Wow! He's probably digging at the rain. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. You've got to dig the rain, right? But he wanted to get out of that area so he wouldn't get stuck in the mud. And he's taking off. And I love this next verse. The power of the Lord comes on Elijah. And he tucks in his cloak into his belt. And he runs. And he beats Ahab. All the way to Jezreel. Now you got to check this out. Okay, you're Ahab, right? You are taking off. You have got a chariot. You've got the best set of wheels in the land. Okay, the whole thing's tricked out. Big engine, Ed, you know, I'm talking the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? The wheels, you know, the chrome, everything. It's all happening. High octane, you know, the whole thing. And he's going as fast as he can. yee just going, wow, wow. And he's just burning. And, and remember, he gave him a head start. He's beginning to get going. So he's taking a walk. he's up there digging around. See a hand. Finally, he goes. Then he cruising along, and he looks in his rearview mirror. <laughs> what is that? He's getting closer. What is that? It's Elijah running like crazy. Wow! And he passes the guy. Whoa! Going you're like, Whoa! Is that cool or what? He'd be, you know, I don't know. Spirit of God hits you, man. You can do stuff nobody can do. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's called supernatural. It's not just natural. Ahab was natural with the tricked out car and the carburetors and the, you know, all the cool stuff. He's cruising. That's the natural. But when God comes, you start to be supernatural. Starts doing stuff you cannot do. I'll tell you, you let the power of God come into your life. He'll help you do stuff you can't do. You say, Well, Pastor, I just can't do it. Good. You're the perfect person. Why? Because God isn't looking for people who could do it, He's looking for people who yield to Him to empower them to be able to do it. It's called being super. Natural. Wow. Now, by the way, I want you to get back up here. To this seven, seven times. Seven times going back and forth and back and forth. And he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. Now, a lot of us, first time, really? Nothing? Second time? Really? Nothing? Third time? What? What is it for? Okay, forget it. Forget it. I pray. I pray. How long have you been praying? A <laughs> day and a half. I don't understand it. <laughs> <I> don't <know. laughs> Just sat there with his face between his knees saying, Go look again. Go look again. You know, faith is an interesting thing. I've said this to you before, I'll say it to you many times. There is a fine line between faith and stupid. There is. At what point is this guy just being an idiot, waiting around, sending this guy back and forth? You know? You need to allow God the opportunity to show up in your life. The thing is, is that if for some reason God doesn't show up the way you thought he would show up, you might look a little stupid. There's people who so fear looking stupid... They never give God a chance in their lives. They always take things into their own hands, into their own ability. Now, you want to be smart. You don't want to be stupid. You don't want things that put you, you know, at risk and stuff. But there is a risk element to faith. And you know, depending on what you're going through, I mean, this can play out in a gazillion different ways. You know, uh, to put it into contemporary terms for for our church and what we've gone through, you know, uh, recent times, you know, with the last, you know, month and a half, having to make budget cuts and stuff like that. Uh, One of the attacks that I've gotten, and by the way, you should see my office is full of cards and letters, and my inbox is full of cards of people like you who have done nothing but say, I am with you. We're trusting God. We're believing God. This is going to be fabulous. So, so when I tell you I've gotten some, I, seriously, it's, it's a very, very small percent. You can count on one hand the things that I've gotten. It's not been that many, but if I'm just, some of them just nastiest rattlesnakes. And one of the knocks I got I said, why did you? Why did, why did you wait till now? If you knew we were gonna be running a bunch, why did you wait till now before you start dealing with the problem? It's called faith. It's called waiting and seeing what God will do. My staff came to me in September and said, wow, the things are headed, we're gonna to have to make some cuts or we're gonna be in trouble. Why do we do? So a lot of people right then and there would have said, you need to rally the forces. You need to cut everything. You need to pull back. You need to hold on. And even some of my staff were like, man, we need to I said, just hold on. How about we pray? Somebody say amen. amen. How about we trust God? Let's see what God will do. It's called faith, it's called giving God the opportunity to show up. See, it's easy for me to preach this up, but if I don't live this, then what good is it? I live it in my personal life. I live it as as the leader of this organization. I said, we are going to give an opportunity. We're having this, you know, fundraiser in six weeks. Let's see what God does. Let's just see what God does. We don't know. How about instead of just freaking and panicking, and I said, yeah, but but even still, we will not die. We will be fine. No one was saying, risk the organization. No one was saying, we're all going to die. Let's do something stupid and foolish. Let's wait and see what God does. Well, God shows up. We had a glorious meeting. It was fabulous. It was wonderful. And we had a great offering. It wasn't the miracle we'd all hoped for. Well, I didn't just go get depressed and hang myself out in the backyard. I said, okay, now. Now we need to make it. You have to understand, by the time I came to you and said, it is time to make cuts, we owed nobody anything. Every bill was paid, other than the mortgage, but that was up to date. We weren't behind on anything, line of credit, nothing. We were solidly in the black. It wasn't, but the static I got, why did you wait so long? Because I thought, I don't know, we're people. How about we wait on God for a minute? Are you hearing me? Yeah. Now, if you want the kind of organization, the minute something starts going a little bit south, everybody just panics and does the most conservative possible thing, and let's not have to worry about trusting God, you got the wrong boy. Are you hearing me? Because I'm going to stretch it a little bit. I'm going to see what God might do. Because God does miracles. (laughs) A lot of times God doesn't do miracles with people. They don't wait. They don't even give God a chance. They're off trying to take everything in their own hands. And they're just freaking and panicking. (laughs) Well, how's that working for you? I don't want to live like that. I've got so many miracles in my life. I've got more, my wife and I have experienced more miracles than anybody I have ever met. I am not kidding. We have a disproportionate degree of miracles. Probably because I am disproportionately stupid. (laughs) And have put myself in some of the dumbest situations on earth where I needed a miracle. God said, oh, there he goes again. Good heavens, what is the matter with that man? Somebody go pull him out. But it's been, po- it's been life-changing to me. It's been powerful. It's been energizing. I've learned to trust God. Now, does that mean every time I pray, I get what I want? No. No, I've got all kinds of stories where I pray and nothing happened. Then what did you do? I hopped in my chair and took off. <laughs> you know, it's okay. But let's not panic. Let's not freak because we stretch a little Let's trust God. Let's see what God can do. Again, fine line between faith and stupid. I think we have rode the line pretty tight. Uh, we didn't do anything stupid. We eventually had to make the cuts. In the end, I believe this is going to be better for us than ever because of what God is doing in our lives and the way we're going to be able to move forward. And I am so excited about the future. Was it painful? Was it difficult? Of course. But it wasn't that God had abandoned anyone. It wasn't that anyone's was being irresponsible. It's called faith. Let's pray. Let's trust God. Before anybody, how about we not panic? How about our first response to something isn't. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is your first response: Complete panic and undoing? No. Well, actually, I allow myself a little bit of that. I must admit, I give myself 48 hours to freak out about anything. But I refuse to say that. I never say that. I pull myself out. No, I will not panic. I will not be afraid. I will not go out. If I'm going to die, I'm dying with a smile on my face. Amen. Hallelujah! I'm going to trust God. Well, Pastor, what if you die? Well, you better trust God if you're dying. Seriously, do you want to be caught dead not trusting God? That's not good. Well, can you guarantee? No, you can't guarantee anything. You know what God is doing? Things uh, Oftentimes he does things that are a mystery and things look different and then later you find it. Oh, that's why. Ever have that in your life? Ever have that in your life when all of a sudden something didn't go the way it was and then all of a sudden you go, whoa! Hallelujah! Thank God God didn't answer my prayer! Some of you can think of that as of the first person you dated. (laughs) Thank God God didn't answer that prayer. (laughs) God turned out to be a lunatic. At the time, you might have been heartbroken. You know what? God knows better. Somebody say amen. Amen. Don't freak out. You got to keep going back. Go back. Give it a little bit of time. Now, if he'd hit seven times still nothing, you know, I'd have gotten down from the mountain. It's all right people cry why are we up that mountain so long you wasted time you're up there for seven days. why do you keep rocking him back and forth you're wasting his time friend. why are you doing that it's called waiting on god hallelujah anyway verse one of chapter 19 now ahab told jezebel everything elijah had done remember jezebel she's a real sweetheart she's a nasty nasty lady so he comes back and says how Elijah had done this and he had called down the power of God and, and people were down worshiping and, and the rain has come and it's filled water. Life is coming back to the land and he killed all the prophets with the sword. What's Jezebel's response. She sends a messenger to Elijah, Elijah and says, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. In other words, I am going to kill you. I am going to kill you. Now, I find it fascinating. I mean, this woman's really nasty. You would think everybody would be praising God, right? Power of God shows up. People are worshiping things. The great water shows up. God's doing miracles. Some people, just stay in a nasty place no matter what happens. Nasty. They can't see anything. This woman was one wicked woman. So she sends a messenger to tell Elijah, I'm going to kill you. Now, why bother? Why not just show up and kill him? Right? I mean, if I'm going to kill you, which I won't do, but if I'm going to kill you, I probably am not going to let you know in advance so you can get away. I'm just going to show up and, hi, kill you. Again, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Why doesn't she just show up? I tell you why, because the devil loves to mess with your head. He loves to mess with your head. And if he can mess with your head and get you to lose faith, see, she probably knew you can't show up with this prophet. This prophet, man, this guy, and whatever he says, just boom, stuff happens. I'm not gonna go mess with this guy. But if I can fill him with fear, discouragement, rob him of his confidence, now I got him, you see. A lot of you guys spend tons of time worrying about things that will never happen to you. Some of you spent unbelievable hours and hours hours worrying about things that never, ever took place. Satan is filling your head with fear and paranoia and stuff. Why? So he can sap you of your spiritual strength and can show up and make your life a living hell. He's got to mess with your head first, pull you out of a place of faith. Did it work with Elijah? Yeah, it did. Verse 3, check this out. Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left a servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Here is a man so full of the power of God seeing and experiencing miracles that you and I had paid big money to see. Just did stuff like, wow, ran a chariot all the way back to town. But Jezebel got into his head, see? And what happens? He's depressed. He goes back. He's running away. Sits under a tree and prays, God, I just want to die how do you go from the glory of Mount Carmel to wishing you were dead you let Jezebel mess with your head we'll talk more about this when we continue next week